Good morning. Welcome. My name is Chris Anderson. I serve on the elder board here at New Song Church, and it's great to see all of you here today. And um, <clears throat> I want to start with a brief announcement that Grant and Rana are back. We missed you guys a lot, and we're so grateful to have you back, and we love you guys. So... Uh, also, just want to point out, uh, if you are new here and you're visiting or just checking it out for the first time, welcome. Please take a moment to fill out a Connect card. They're on the seat backs here, if you can find one. And then uh, just fill that out. We'd love to just get to know you. Um, you could drop it in the box in the hallway out there on your way out or visit uh, one of the one of us here at the little Easy Up outside here will be happy to greet you. We just want to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, also, we have a few events coming up here. First, tonight, guys, we have a hangout, okay? A hangout at the Glendora Marketplace. If you've come to that before, it's a great fun time. You grab a bite to eat, hang out with some guys there, good conversation, good time, drop in, drop out, come for, stay up for as long as you want or as little as you want. But it's a great time, so look forward to hopefully seeing you there tonight. Now, women also have a hangout, but not tonight, next Monday. Okay, they're also going to be meeting at the Glendora Marketplace, so don't mix that up, because I don't think you guys would want to show up at the women's thing, and I don't think the ladies would want to hang out with the guys. I mean, I know we all love each other, but it's okay. So they have their thing next Monday night at 6.30. The one for the men tonight is at 5 o'clock. And coming up next month is the big women's event, the tea. Now, this is something that I know my wife looks forward to every year. This is a big event, very fancy. It's very well put together. Now, I will tell you that I do not like tea. I do not like little sandwiches. I like my sandwiches big. <laughs> However, having seen this displayed in the past, I have to say it's pretty impressive and I kind of wish that I could go. But don't, don't tell Mel I said that. Um, no, but really, ladies, it's a great opportunity to come, uh, enjoy some time of fellowship, and just feel special and feel treated. So make sure that you put this on your calendar for April 29th, 10 a.m. And <clears throat> with that, we just want to, uh, again, acknowledge that we're so grateful that everybody's here today. We're grateful to have Rana and Grant back. And... You know, we're just, we're here. And that's, sometimes that's all we can say, is that we're here. So, I'd like to lead us into a time of prayer here, just as we prepare to hear the message that we are just, God will meet us where we're at, right here, right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time to be here, to be gathered together as a community, as your body. We thank you that Grant and Rana have come home safely. We thank you that they're here now, and I just pray that they will feel loved and comforted by those of us around them. And Lord, I just pray for the message today. I pray that the words that you've given Melody to speak will speak to our hearts as well. You prepared these words, Lord, and I pray that they will impact us, will touch us, and will be exactly what we need to hear. And Lord, I just pray that wherever we're at, for everyone in this room, and anyone who may be listening, that, Lord, you just be with us wherever we're at, whatever state of mind we're in, wherever our heart is at, Lord, may you just meet us there, and may you continue to hold us 
And we lift up all of this to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I always think the mic is muted and it's not muted. I should remember that. I said, don't run into me. <laughs> um, well, my name is Melody and I am one of the pastors here and I am glad to have you here this morning, each and every one of you. Um, again, as Chris said, sometimes we're just here, right? Sometimes we're just here and that's all we can do. And if you know me... Um, you know that I'm usually pretty joyful and I like to start us off with something funny and something uh, pretty light. And um, we're all so happy and thankful that Grant and Ron are back. We missed you guys so much. Um, but our hearts are heavy this morning. Our hearts are really heavy this morning. Because if you have not been made aware through um, the text, and it, I should say this here too, if you would like to receive up-to-date texts that have emergency prayer requests on them or um, news like the one I'm about to share, please grab a Connect card in front of you. Write your name, write your phone number, and say, sign me up for these texts. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't... We don't get the news until this very moment, and I'm the one that has to share this with you today. My heart is very sad because one of our own passed away just two days ago. Two days ago. Ed Mahood, if you know him, I have a picture of him here. Ed Mahood passed away very suddenly two days ago of heart failure, basically. A guy who worked out pretty much every day, a guy who um, was as healthy as he could appear to be. That's him up on a ladder trimming the hedge over by the garbage cans over there. Um, he passed away of multiple, multiple heart attacks. He was here last week. He was here last week. He was in the courtyard talking with Anne. And he was giving me a hard time because at the end of the service last week, we said, hey, listen, could you bring creamer for the high school kids? Could you, could you make this a part of your week? And, and when I went out there, he was giving me a hard time because remember that time I said kids don't like Irish cream? And he's like, come on, Mel, in his raspy voice. He's like, why, why don't they like Irish cream? It's St. Patrick's Day, and right? And I said, okay, Ed, in the spirit of St. Patrick's Day, get all the Irish cream you want. <laughs> and uh, when I sat with Linda and her sons on Friday, um, she said, Mel, Ed, Ed has a fridge full with, with creamer. And when I picked it up yesterday, she said, he didn't buy Irish cream. <laughs> Our hearts are heavy. My heart hurts for Linda, for Ed's two sons, for Linda's daughters, for their grandchildren. My heart is heavy as they face this sudden and unexpected loss. My heart is heavy for the Marsilio Lawson family who lost their mother, their grandmother, 
a patriarch in their family, a matriarch in their family in many ways. My heart is heavy for you. My heart is heavy for our pastors, Grant and Rana, who are just at the beginning of what their loss is in both of their extended families. I, f- I feel like this week I've just carried this heaviness in my heart and, and my heart hurts for, for everyone I know in this room that has had some type of loss. And this section, and this section, and this section, and this section. My friends in the sound booth, my friends up here on stage, there's been all sorts of loss. Lots of spouses, lots of parents, loved ones. There's been other types of loss this week as well. Loss of employment. Loss of employment. Jobs that were steady and decent money to be handed a pink slip out of nowhere without no real explanation. My heart is heavy for friends who are going through a divorce and came to that realization this week. My hearts are heavy for friendships that have crossed that that line where there's just no going back, it seems. There's so many situations in this very room. So much loss and so much confusion and so many questions. If you have been following us in this Lent series, we have been asking the question, where is God in our stories? Where is God in our stories? And I'm going to answer that to you right now with with some evidence. I'm going to give you concrete evidence that God is in our stories. That first Sunday, that first Lent Sunday that Grant had to leave for Scotland right away with Rana, you might remember that I said this. I said, listen, God's hand is in that situation. And I said, we rearranged the series. Do you remember? I said, the stories we were looking at were already picked out. The stories were already picked out, but we had them on different days. We were preaching at different times, but but we had to rearrange things. We, in fact, we stopped the printing. Justin was ready to print, and we stopped the printing and made some edits because there was going to be some changes. And then the postcard that we gave out that Sunday had the changes on them. I didn't know that these changes were going to be so reflective of what is happening in our lives, in the world. That first Sunday, we looked at the story of Esther. And when, when all these changes were made so rapidly, do you remember, I said, I didn't know that Purim, the holiday that originates out of the story of Esther, was in fact going to be celebrated the next day. We didn't know that. Then we said, okay, the next week is the week of Moses. And we didn't know that that weekend was going to be the weekend where the sermon was, hey, let's be present for each other. Let's be part of each other's stories. It goes both ways. Moses was a part of a big story. But guess what? He had people along his side who helped him get there. And just as they are a part of his story, he is a part of their story. And that weekend, we didn't know that it was going to coincide with the, with the student ministries retreats, where we said to you guys, you guys participated in these kids' lives. You were there for them. You had connection with them. They had connection with you. That's being a part of each other's stories. 
We didn't know. And this week, this week, we did not know that in a variety of different ways, whether that is lost because of a death, lost because of a job, lost because of relationships, we didn't know that this week was going to be such a week of loss. And today we are looking at the story of Job, the most epic story of loss. I believe God is in that. Do you believe it? Amen. He is in that. I believe that God is in every single detail that has to do with our heavy hearts, in your story, in my story, in our story, in this community, in San Dimas, in your house. I'm going to give you the point to the sermon right now. I'm going to give you the point, and I want you to hear me on this. And let me start by saying this. The book of Job can be broken up into many, many different sermons, many, many different theological points. There's poetry, there's this, there's that. But today, <coughs> excuse me, today I want to keep it plain and simple because I believe that today's sermon is reflective of where we are as a community today in this day with heavy hearts. I believe that today's sermon is in the Bible the book of Job is in the Bible because it is a story about loss. It is a story about loss. Some say it's about patience. Some say it's about endurance. And sure, we can go that way too. But today, here, today, I'm going to say it's a story about epic loss. It's a story about how life is unfair sometimes. Life is unfair. It's a book about pain and pain that is just too much to bear sometimes. It is a book about suffering, about inexplicable suffering, be that mental suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering. It's suffering that is beyond our human comprehension. It's a book that demonstrates that it doesn't matter who you are, how much you have, everything you know, it doesn't matter, no one is immune to pain. No one is immune to pain. It is a book that demonstrates that we have a very real enemy. In this book, Satan himself says, I just came back from roaming the earth and watching everything that's happening. We have a very real enemy. We have evil in the world that we cannot explain. We can't comprehend. We can't even begin to rationalize the horrible things that happen. The horrible things on a large scale, the horrible things in our homes. I believe this book is in the Bible because there is no rational answer that is going to feel sufficient. There is nothing that I can say to you today that is going to feel sufficient. I believe we're looking at the book of Job this week because it gives us a way to respond to these situations. It gives us the freedom to express ourselves and our grief by watching Job go through it, watching him go through confusion, watching him struggle with disappointment. It's a story that gives us directions on how to respond in obedience and worship 
even when it's hard, even till the very end, even through the impossible, it demonstrates that we are to worship a God who knows everything above all, and we are called to take our grief, our pain, our suffering, we are called to take it to him. We are called to take it to the God who when we ask him for answers, as Job did, he's going to say this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? So today we're looking at the story of Job. Let's look at it. In the course of one day, Job received four separate messages and everyone with devastating news. The first message was that his livestock, which is how Job earned his money and how he made his living good money, his livestock and, and all the farmhands were killed. The second message was that a fire had come down from heaven and burned all the sheep and all the shepherds. And the third message were that his camels had been stolen and more servants were killed. So one message after another and after another and after another. And if you read the story, which I'm going to encourage you at the end to read the book of Job this week. If you read the story, it says before one servant finished talking, another messenger showed up. And before he finished talking, the other guy showed up and the other guy. So in the course of Five minutes, probably, he received this message. And the last, fourth message was this in verse 18. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. The next thing that happens in this horrible story is that Job is crippled by a skin disease, a terrible, terrible skin disease that it said it covered him from head to toe and he, would have to, he was forced to leave and live on the outskirts of town. So not only is he grief-stricken, but he has to leave his home humiliated and completely destroyed. And he has some people in his life here. His wife says, curse God. Curse God. But Job does not curse him. His three friends show up, and after spending seven, day in, seven days in silence with him, <clears throat> they start talking. And they spend a large portion of the book questioning his integrity, his actions, his heart. They're looking to rationalize and explain why things might be happening to him. They believe that he must have done something wrong to deserve these things. They believe that he has something to do with it. But throughout all of these questions, Job remains faithful and trusts God completely. 
But at one point, at one point, as his human heart is suffering so great, Job starts to ask God for answers. He begs God to show him, to explain to him why this is happening, why he's going through this suffering, why he's going through this pain. He then begins to seek rational answers himself. Why? Is this something I did, but I was faithful? Is it something I, but I never lusted after another woman? Is it something I, he has no answers. And then in the last part of the book, something extraordinary happens that we don't see anywhere else in the Bible. We read as God speaks to Job for an extended amount of time. And he talks to him, and he talks to him, and he talks to him, but he does not give him an answer. He does not give him an answer. No explanations. And then at the end of the book, God restores Job. He restores his health, and he gives him twice what he had before twice everything that he had before. So the story ends with a big wow. That's incredible. But that also leaves me with some questions. Because if you ask me, I I don't want a replacement husband. Most days. I don't want replacement children. I don't want replacement anything. I am good with what I have and leave them right here. I am good with what I have. So at the end of the book, I'm thinking, how can Job be okay? How can he be okay? His children, all his servants, who are probably his friends, And not only at the end of this book does it leave us with questions, but the beginning of this book leaves us with big questions because it also starts out in a very extraordinary conversation. It's a conversation between God and Satan. And Satan says, again, like I just said, he comes back from patrolling the earth. And God is the actual one that points out to Satan, look at my servant Job. Look at my servant Job. So Satan says, yes, well, Job is good and faithful because everything is good in his life. But if you take that all away, let's see who he is. Let's see who he is. So again, big questions, so many questions. So God is clearly in this story, but what is he doing? What is he doing? And like I said, I gave you the end at the beginning where I said this book in the Bible gives us a reality check. It gives us a reality check that we live with these questions. Where is God in this? Where is God in this? In the terrible things that we can't make sense in the world, in the things we have going on in our personal lives, in the loss, in all of it, we have questions. But I can say word after word after word this morning. But words rarely 
explain suffering. Like I said, there's nothing I can say today that will satisfy my question, your question. There's nothing. Life is not fair. Bad things happen. We have an enemy. That's not going to make you feel any better. But what I can tell you and what I hold on to so tightly and what I hope you hold on to so tightly to this morning is that more than we need answers when we suffer, we need God when we suffer. We need God when we suffer. In the middle of these chapters in the book of Job, Job himself actually gives us the only answer we can, we can walk away with today. Job realizes this in chapter 28, which is the middle of the book. But yet his heart and mind continue to question, continue to ask, continue to... But he said it here in chapter 28. And I'm going to skip some verses here as I've done throughout this series. So follow me along. It says, people know where to get mine and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rocks. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor it is here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where they can find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks through the whole earth and sees the whole heavens. He gives the answer right here. It is hidden from us the wisdom, the knowledge. We will not have it while we are here on this earth. And let's pretend for a second, let's pretend that we did get answers. Let's pretend that we did get an explanation. Would that really satisfy us? Would that ease the pain? I don't, I don't think so. Would it help us be at peace? So C.S. Lewis, who is a great author, a great theologian in the past 100 years, he wrote a book called The Problem with Pain, where he tried to you know, tackle the question of suffering. He tried to rationalize it. He was very analytical. He was very thought-provoking in this book. But not a few years later did his wife die. And then he wrote a different book, A Grief Observed. And in this book, he did not have answers. He couldn't rationalize it. 
He didn't even try. He knew it was going to be meaningless. Instead, he went to God with all his grief and he poured his heart out on these pages. We think we want answers. We think we want to know why, but in the end, it's not what we need. In the end, we need to go to the source of the wisdom. We need to go to the one who knows, to the one who cares. If anything, sometimes the search for answers is going to push us away from God. I can't tell you how many friends, how many family members I have that are looking for answers. So the first thing they decide to do is get mad with God. And God's okay with that. God's okay with you getting mad. But he doesn't want you to walk away. Job, his, his friends, his friends question him. And he stayed faithful, he stayed faithful, but when he wanted answers, he was further away than when he first began, when he was defending what he was holding on to so tightly, God had to call him back. So today, my friends, I, as our hearts are heavy, and as we go through these different experiences of loss, Let us take it to the only one who knows why and be okay with the fact that we don't get an answer. We don't get an explanation. But he is the one who can bear it. He is the one who understands it. He is the one who is there. When Job got the horrible news, here's how he responded. Verse 20, it says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. Instead of running away, he declared the name of the Lord. And in the end, I believe Job realizes that he is never going to get the answers his human heart wants. Is Job okay? No. He's never going to be the same. As I've shared with some of you who have experienced loss, specifically experiencing a death of someone very close to you, I said, I didn't know this until my mother died. But death is a club that you know nothing about until you're in it. Until you're in it. Are we okay? No. No. We're not okay. I don't think Job could be okay with everything he had been through. But in the very end, in the last chapter of Job, Job says this to God. He says, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this who questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. 
I had only heard about you, God, before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything that I said, and I sit here in dust and ashes and show my repentance. Job had to accept that God is God. And are we okay? No, we're not okay. But we have to accept that God is God. We can take him our questions. We can take him our suffering. He can bear it. More than we need words when we suffer, we need God. I'm going to have the band come up. Job, throughout the book, as you'll see if you hopefully read it this week, there were times where he was in complete and utter despair. But you'll see that he was a man of prayer. We're going to take a moment here and be in prayer about whatever it is that's on our heart today whether it's a loss of relationship, a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a friendship, whatever loss or whatever your heart carries with you this morning. It's worry, it's anxiety, you're suffering somehow mentally, physically, emotionally. Let's take our faith, let's take our despair, let's take whatever we feel right now and take it to the Lord's who can shout to the clouds and make it rain. Let's take it to the Lord who holds all wisdom. In these next few minutes, I'd like to acknowledge the things that we simply do not and cannot understand. Let's acknowledge these things and lift them up to the Lord and we don't have to tear our clothes and shave our heads. But I am gonna invite you to, to do something as a symbolic act, an opportunity to lift our questions up to the Lord, to lift our grief up to God. And I'm gonna invite you here and there and over there to light a candle. I'm gonna light this one for my friend Ed. And his family. And the fact that I don't know why this man who went to the gym every week, every day, is gone. I'm gonna light this candle for the Marsilio and Lawson family, for their loss, their grandmother, their mother, someone who was always welcoming, always fun, always there. I'm gonna come over here I'm gonna light this one for my friends Rana and Grant, Kira and Ethan, and family in Scotland, across the states, everywhere. I don't understand, but 
I'm going to take that to God. I'm going to light this candle for my friends who've lost their employment, who don't understand why. I'm going to light this for my friends who were served divorce papers this week. I'm going to light this for, for them. I'm going to invite you, if you have something that you carry in your heart that causes pain, whatever, whatever afflicts you today, your suffering, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, maybe you're in a good place. I bet you know someone who is not. Light it for them. We're going to leave some time for this, and the band is going to play in the background. And I'm going to invite you to any of these tables. And then after that, I'm going to invite you to the back tables where we're going to give you some communion. I want you to hold the communion, and we're going to do it together. Because Job... Even though his wife said, curse God, even though his friends questioned him, he was surrounded by people. So we're going to take it together today. I'm just going to ask that you be careful as you come. Be careful as you light the candle. But whatever it is, I invite you to do that now. You're going to light it yeah. with the other candles. You know, when um, I got one, thank you. You can give it to your daughter because I took it from her. We ran out of communion cups. But I love it because that means there's so many of us here today. And I took it from Kaylee and I said, I really need one up there. I can't really pretend I have one. My hands are normally, normally not shaky when I come up here. And I can normally keep my composure pretty well, but man, this week has been a lot for my heart. And I'm sure you can say that whether it's this week or the situation or whatever, there's times where it's too much for your heart. I know who holds my hand. I know who holds my heart. And I know that no matter how desperate I am, how sad I am, how shaky I am, how much I don't understand it. Look at all of these situations here. And I'm sure there's more. But I know we can go to 
the one who understands. To the one who understands. And to the one who sent his son to not rule as a king, to not come in with a sword, but to suffer to suffer for you and for me, to break his body for us. Let's take the bread. To the one who spilled his blood for us. to the one who understands, to the one who he himself called to his God and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a plan. There was a purpose. And he came to suffer so that we would all hold on to the faith so that we all had access to him so that we could all know this is not the end. This is not the end. This is not how the story ends. Because at the end of this, we are given life. We are given life here and to come. Let's take the cup. The band was practicing today and I was up there with Electra working on these slides and I was singing along with them, almost shouting along with them and I said, man, I wish I was in the band today. And in a minute, you're gonna see why and I want to hear you sing this song because it says, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock in which I stand. He'll never let me down. He'll never let me down. He'll never let me go. The wind came and the rain came down. But I know where I stand. This is the rock in which I stand. Do you believe that? I'm gonna invite you to stand and sing this song as loud as you possibly can because we want to declare this today and say amen. <laughs>